Welcome, everyone, to the Celebrity Hour podcast. We have an incredible show today on this podcast episode. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm here with a legendary, an intercontinental champion of film editing and directing all the way from the West Coast, D.W. Thomas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Very, very great to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about your new film, Too Late, a perfect blend of comedy and horror and monster movies, all with an amazing message. Uh, but first, like in the sound of music, we've got to start at the very beginning. DW, where did it all begin for you in film? Was it something you watched on a VHS tape long ago with your friends? Where, did, where was that spark? Where did it all begin for you? Oh my gosh, we are going all the way back. I'd, I'd say in high school, I just always loved making movies. I started making documentaries. I think the first documentary I made was called uh, He Left Me for a Freshman. And it was about relationships in high school. <laughs> it, was, it was a short, it was actually pretty funny as relationships are in high school. Um, but it won, it won an award at the Three Minute Film Festival in Santa Fe. And so that sort of gave me that like boost of, ooh, this is fun that you can actually tell stories and make people laugh. And after that, I, uh, I wanted to get as far away from my, my family and my New Mexico house as I could. So I went to Australia and no, no offense to my family. I'm actually a twin. And so, um, being a twin growing up, you kind of want to separate yourself as much as you can from your other twin because your whole childhood is like you're referred to as the girls or the twins. And so you're like, okay, I need to make a name for myself. I need to stop being a twin. Not forever. Anyway, I love my twin. Anyway, so I went to, I went to Australia and I went to film school. It was a two-year intensive film school um, at this place called APA International Film School. So it was made up of international students and I majored in editing and I explored Australia. It was, it was amazing. Actually, um, through a random connection through a friend of the family, pretty much when I told my parents I was gonna go to Australia, they were like, who do we know that has any connection to Australia who can look after our daughter while she's there? And they ended up connecting me with uh, Alexander De Franceschi, who is an editor and he actually edited Jane Campion's films and he is like a big time editor. And he um, picked me up at the airport and he introduced me to his family and they actually put me up in their spare room for like a few months as I was getting on my feet. He would invite me over uh, and I, would, I was always making them Mexican food, like uh, new Mexican food. And it was kind of hard to find ingredients in Australia, but um, I, I would manage and he would invite me over and then surprise me with like Jane Campion will be having dinner with us tonight. So it was, it was kind of amazing. Like I got this, this view of, of professional filmmaking in Australia. So it was very much the same as, as it is here. So after I finished my two-year degree, um, I ended up back in New Mexico trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I, uh, was working at Banana Republic. And I think at one point 
these people walked in and they looked like LA. They looked, they had like suits on, they looked really cool. And I was like, Oh, who are these people? Like, they don't look like Santa Fe at all. So I started talking with one of them and they said, Oh, uh, we're here for a literary conference for screenwriting. And I was like, Oh, screenwriting. Like I should know about this. And I, uh, somehow like through a friend from high school, I ended up volunteering for it. And I was the person taking tickets. So I, I went from not knowing about this event to like taking tickets. And I ran into the same, uh, it was an agent, an LA agent. And he was like, oh, wow. So you're running the place now. Like you didn't even know about this and now you're running the place. And he, inter- we became friends and he introduced me to, to Jim Manos, who is a writer who did Sopranos. And then Jim introduced me to Alan Holzman, who is uh, an editor. And he he directed for Roger Corman and he edited for Roger Corman. So he was like a, a legit indie filmmaker from, you know, with that goes way back. And, and I ended up editing uh, or being more of an assistant to him for like a number of years. And through him, I, I met uh, Carl Colpert, who uh, runs Cineville and Cineville. They're known for Swimming with Sharks and Mi Vida Loca, another very indie uh world-renowned production company and so I started editing for them and I I edited for about I want to say five to seven years and after that I went into the behind the scenes world and I was editing for Disney and NBC and and it got to a point where I was like you know what this is all great but I I want to tell stories so I want to I, I I want to go from just the post-production room to actual on set. And so uh, I, let's see, somewhere in there, I, I got married and my husband is a screenwriter and he, I sort of, with him, we started saying, well, why don't we do it? Like what makes us different from anybody else who's out there making movies? Like, why don't we do it? And so we came up with this low budget concept and brought Ron Lynch in and then through Ron Lynch, we started finding other people and it, it all just really sort of came together. And I guess that sort of brings us to date with too late. Of course, there's probably a lot more that happened in between, but that's, yeah. That's a pretty fascinating story. First, I got to go back to this high school. Like he left me for a freshman movie. Cause that's just hilarious title and I imagine like very true like in all age ranges like he left me for a 20 year old I don't know but so when you made this movie and you wrote it did you was this back then because I used to make movies uh early on too and was it like one of those over the shoulder camera camcorders or was it like one of like the little mini dv ones or do you have access to the school uh, video system was it um, I think it was a little one, just like one of those little DV cameras, uh-huh. but it was, yeah, it was, it was, a <laughs> probably so low resolution. Now I think I have a copy of it, but it's like teeny tiny on my screen. <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. I like that you did that and it was received well. And then you said you moved from New Mexico to Australia. So first question about Australia, is it true what they say? Does everything try to kill you there? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. it's a cool place though. It is I I I tried to to get my citizenship there. Apparently, you have to get married or um you could be a hairstylist. That was one of the other 
things that that got you a citizenship at the time because they needed more hairstylists and I was like ugh, I was too young to get married I didn't know how to cut hair that's very strange either marry marriage or hairstylist and you're in that's a crazy yeah, like you know, uh that's a that's a crazy setup to get into a club oh yeah <laughs> They knew what they wanted, you know, you have to be specific. <laughs> right, right. And so I got to ask as somebody who's done a lot of film production over the many, many decades, something about editing to me, at least, I think editing just is like part of making the movie. Actually, the editor makes the movie, you know, you shoot on location, you shoot on a soundstage, you're getting all the, the film but then the editor takes it and makes it what it is. Is that what makes you want, wanted to, what made you want to be an editor or what was it? Yeah, I think that was a big part of it because, um, and I started in documentary. And so in a way you're the director too, and you're telling the story. So it's about like telling a story and making it fun and making it interesting. And I think you're right. It happens in the edit room and that's where you get the performances and, uh, I mean, actors, they, they deliver the lines in so many different ways. And then you're, you're really creating the tone in the edit room. And that's, that's incredibly exciting. And uh, yeah, that's, that's why I wanted to be an editor. And I imagine starting in documentaries, you had to go from like 40 hours of footage to two hours, whereas opposed to narrative features, maybe four or five hours of footage down to oh, two hours. So much easier. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's, there are positives about both of them. Um, documentary, you can take it in any direction and narrative. It's like you, you pretty much have it set. And if it doesn't work, you either have to go and do re reshoots or, you know, that it is what it is. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely a lot less footage. It's a lot easier on the edit machines. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. That's great. Uh, let's talk about Too Late, your newest film, which, by the way, I watched it yesterday and loved it from start to finish. I have all the questions for you. So so it's true that the Tom Becker wrote it, and that is your husband, correct? That's right. So... Did the idea spark up when y'all were at a comedy club? Or just like, man, or was it just through stories from friends that you heard? <laughs> You're like, I can make a story about this. What, what, where did that begin with you and his uh, collaboration on this? Sure. Uh, well, Tom, he actually was in the comedy world for a while. He did stand up for a number of years and and he met a lot of people and he uh, he knew Ron from from way back and he used to be on Ron's show. He Ron has a late night comedy variety show called The Tomorrow Show. And my husband used to be in a, a comedy metal band and they, they were on the show a number of times. And so really it came from me and Tom, we wanted to tell a story that, that we could um, pretty much do it around Ron. And so we were like, oh, what would be a great world for Ron to be in? And we started, started shaping it around his tomorrow's show and because tom had so much experience in stand-up and he also knew a lot of stand-up comedians we're like oh it's perfect so it all sort of started coming together through that and so yes he 
he, a lot of the experiences are from his actual experiences. Not, not with the, (laughs) not with the monster. I mean, not as far as I know, (laughs) (laughs) there are no monsters, but well, actually, I mean, figuratively, I guess there are. (laughs) Right. Right. So did the script start off more as a, just straight comedy of somebody trying to make it in stand-up or was it from the beginning this horror ass element to it yeah from the beginning we wanted to do a a monster movie i i love like um gremlins and american werewolf in london i love kind of that monster movie set in a pretty realistic world and so we, you know, we thought, gosh, the stand-up, like the stand-up world is is ripe for a monster to go, you know, unseen because you could really, for one, like, like in the movie, he says people come and people go. It's really easy to, to make people disappear. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's great. That's, no, no, that, that's, no, it really came off well. And I love... Uh, I really loved Ron in there because, you know, hearing him from like Bob's Burgers and home movies is just great. And to see him on screen uh, doing his acting chops there. And I was a big fan of Alyssa uh, Limparis and Jenny uh, Zagrino as well. And I just thought it was like perfect casting for those two. And I'm curious, living in L.A., was it easy to find some of these actresses, actors and actresses and maybe comedians, uh, you know, for the casting for the roles? Yeah. So uh, we worked with a casting director who brought in Alyssa and Jenny and Alyssa came in for a different role. And when we saw her, we we're like, oh my gosh, she's, she's Violet Fields. Like she was just, she, she was everything we wanted in a Violet Fields. So um, that was, that was great. So we had Alyssa and then Jenny Zagrino came in and we were like, who is, who is this lady? Like, she was so terrific and she had so much charisma and she's just, I love Jenny. Um, and she's also a, a, a terrific stand-up. She's like a huge road com- comic and she's hilarious. And so we were like, oh, she's, she's going to know that world and really be able to dig her teeth into it. And, um, and then Will Weldon, he he was a friend of my husband's when he was doing stand-up. And so he brought Will in. He was like, I, um, I think Will would be terrific as Jimmy. He's got the charm and he's incredibly funny and he's a little bit self-effacive. And he's, he's those, those things about comedians that are, are so accurate and, and also so charming. And so um, we were, we were really lucky that Will and Alyssa had such good chemistry. And actually we found out later that, they have the same manager. And so the manager had them um, rehearse before they came in for their callback. And, and so of course they nailed the, <laughs> the audition, the second audition, but we were so happy to have them. And um, then for the stand-up comedians, my husband gave me a list of stand-up people that he personally knew. And I pretty much got to choose my favorites. And so I really wanted to do like a diverse uh, selection of, of, comedians and and there were so many they're all so hilarious that it was hard to choose but um yeah really excited about the people that we got and then uh ron ron lynch he he's longtime friends with fred and mary lynn and and we went to ron we were like ron you know we'd love to get 
you know, some more people in this film, like, do you have anyone you think would be good for these roles? And, and he thought, oh yeah. So he, he sent the script to, to Marilyn and Ron and they both, they both loved it. And so they were like, yeah, of course we'll come on and, and do this for a couple of days. And they came on and, and we, we made it work with our schedules and everything like that. And they were just so, so much fun to work with. Um, so yeah, we were lucky. We were really lucky with this cast. It, it, it came together because of the people that love Ron Lynch and also stand-up comedians. There's so many talented stand-up comedians that are both talented in acting and in stand-up and they all merged together. Like Paul Danke, who's a terrific actor. And then he also did his own stand-up routine. And yeah, we were just so lucky. It was, it really was wonderful to see it gel together and let's talk about the script, like what was written and what was improv on the set, because I wrote down a few jokes that I really laughed at. And one of them was like, the, at the very beginning was welcome to the death of comedy. And I was like, holy shit, that needs to be a shirt, <laughs> which was great. And then uh, today is bacon day. Fantastic. And then the, the party at the house was suit mass suicide theme, which killed me, you know, pun intended, <laughs> which was great. So were these things that you thought up on the spot or was this written into the story long ago? What yeah, was that? Those were all written. So that was all Tom, Tom Becker. He, uh, yeah, the, the, the death of comedy was sort of a play on uh, the birth of tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and yeah bacon day those are all tom out of the mind of tom becker <laughs> that's fantastic no it worked so well and i loved it i want all of those on t-shirts at some point <laughs> <laughs> that's terrific we'll do it we'll we'll get it done which which is great so i gotta talk about you know being an indie film i just thought because you edited this as well. You know, you're not going to give up your editing spot just yet. <laughs> I loved, you know, from being this independent movie, how you were able to really connect the comedy and horror and specifically the horror elements of the, the practical makeup effects. And then having kind of the carnage shown and edited in such a way that you still like, it's even better than just actually showing everything. Talk to me about the practical effects and the blood and all the fun stuff you get to do like Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell style on the shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because it was low budget, we had to think about the best way to get the most out of it. And we were working with Mo Meinhardt and her team and, she was just amazing. And, and we, we got to sort of develop Ron's look and Ron has, um, I believe it's four different looks before he eats, after he eats. And then later on in the movie, after things start happening to him and he becomes more like a, a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more, uh, rough around the edges. And, and so because of the the mechanism of someone actually eating someone whole, it's more like a snake or it's like a, you know, an animal that will absorb, you know, gobble you up. And so we kind of needed to make his mouth able to open up wide enough so we could believe that he could eat something. And, and Mo, Mo designed these great uh, prosthetics with, you know, flesh and all, all this fun stuff that sort of stretches and uh yeah and then and then we had to 
we had to make sure that we had our shooting schedule so that um, we only had one Bob outfit, one Bob makeup for each for him before he eats and after he eats. So once we destroyed it, we wouldn't be able to shoot again. So we sort of had to make sure that we shot all that stuff first and then had had the other stuff later. And oh my gosh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And then towards the end of the movie, the last, the scene, I don't want to give anything away, but where we have a lot of blood and guts and we got to drench Alyssa in whatever concoction they came up with. That was just, I was going to ask, would you remember what it was? It was it like a caro syrup food coloring. Oh yeah. I'm sure it was caro syrup. It was, yeah, it was pretty, (laughs) pretty gross. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's, that's what movie making is all about. That's uh that's great. Yeah. And so after it was shot, after after the the production of the film, what was the process like going back through editing since I guess was this your first big feature? This uh not the first feature that I edited. It's the first feature of my own that I edited, Correct. which is Good. a very yes. different feature. Yeah. Um yeah, actually thinking back on it, I would have next time I'm going to have someone do a rough cut. So then as a director, I can have like fresh eyes, but pretty much I, and Tom, Tom is also an assistant editor in another job, another life. And so he actually did all the assistant editing as well. It was like a very hands-on, we wore a lot of hats. So, um, so I went off on to New Mexico for like two weeks to just relax. And then Tom did all of the assistant editing work and prepared the, the film and stuff. So when I could come back, I could just break into editing and yeah. And I just started pulling it together and, and editing it together. It was, it was a lot of fun. And the, the cast were so terrific that it, it, it came together pretty, pretty nicely. Um, and then it was uh, let's, I think it was March 2020 when we did our ADR session and luckily we got it in right before the pandemic and uh, everybody was able to show up at the actual sound recording studio and record it and then they shut everything down and so uh, we did all of the sound design and we did the score and uh, a color correction all through sort of a pandemic world where at light iron we we got it colored at light iron and we interfaced with our our color technician through an iPad in a separate room, which, yeah, it, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was, it was still a lot of fun. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I, I want to ask uh, about the, another question about the editing. Is it, were you more of a critic of your own film than editing somebody else's film? Like, did you find it harder to edit your own movie than somebody else's? Definitely, definitely. Luckily, Tom, I had Tom and he could sort of come in and be, be a second, a second set of eyes because once, once you're so close to something, I mean, when you're shooting on set and maybe one shot takes 45 minutes to shoot and you're like, oh, this took so long. Like I have to use this shot. And then in the edit room, you're like, I think it works, but I'm going to use it because I know how long it took. And then Tom would come in and be like, yeah, I don't think it works. You're like, ah, okay, fine. (laughs) But, you know, I think that is the hardest part about, about editing your own stuff. And, you know, sometimes 
you just have to, yeah, you have to erase everything that, that you did remember from set, from shooting it. And you have to start as, as blank as possible. And yeah, I guess that, that can be, that can be challenging, but, um, yeah, I am pretty critical on myself. I try not to be, that is the one thing as a filmmaker, as a creative that is probably, probably the most damaging and, but also necessary. Like you want to be your biggest critic because you want it to be as good as you possibly can get it. But there is, there is a point where you, you might just be beating up on yourself for no reason. I, I, I hear you. But luckily with the boutique home video of companies now and Zack Snyder releasing his extended cut, it could be the DW cut of too late with all the extended <laughs> version. <laughs> Get those scenes in there. So uh, yeah, let's talk about the score. I really love the score. I think Michael Hurwitz, am I pronouncing Michael Hurwitz yep, correctly? That's right. that so the score was excellent. It just blended all of what you wanted in this genre of film, this mix of genre of film. How did you find Michael and uh, talk to me about the score? And is it going to be released on yeah. a vinyl? What is it? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be released. Um, I'm not sure on vinyl, but maybe <laughs> definitely on, uh, I don't know what they release music on these days, digital. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we found Michael through LinkedIn, actually, like through a random connection on LinkedIn. I just sent him a message because it was sort of in the beginning when we were looking for com other composers and I sent him a message. It was like, Hey, and, and I, I didn't even think he would be interested in doing it himself because, you know, he, um, he's a pretty busy composer. And so I sent him a message. I was like, Hey, I just finished this movie. I just directed this movie and I'm looking for a composer and we're looking for sort of a, a fun score. Um, he, he worked with, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Oh, geez. Anyway, I'll come back to that. And so he wrote back and he said, yeah, well, can I throw my hat in the ring? It sounds terrific. I love the idea. And we were like, oh, sure. Throw your hat in the ring. Like you're hired. <laughs> you, don't even have to, you know, so, um, so he came on and we, we were doing it all through remote working, which, which was crazy. Everybody was trying to figure out how to do that. And so a lot of, a lot of zoom chats and then sending, sending score back and forth. Um, and, and yeah, we came together. We really wanted to, I, I wanted the film to have a fun feel and not get too dark and grim because I think that the, the sort of story could be really dark and grim and we wanted to keep it more fun. Um, and yeah, and I think he did a terrific job. It was it was everything that we were looking for. No, I, I really liked it. I'm gonna get that soundtrack for sure. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, I gotta talk about. I love like the first shot of the movie is kind of like almost a sh the Shining esque uh, dolly cam, like steady cam, but on the ground, following people walking on the sidewalk. And I love that. Where did that come from? Yeah, well, I wanted I wanted to start off the movie and get you into that feel right away, like into that adventure sort of horror, campy horror feel. And at first you were like, oh, maybe we could follow like a rat. And then we're like, how are we going to get a rat? And then and then it came up to like, 
oh, well, we could use a dog. And it was like, how are we going to follow a dog? And I was like, oh, we'll do a POV. And so we got with the DP and we we're like, can, can you do this? And he, he rigged up kind of this thing to his, he had an Alexa and he rigged up this, uh, kind of device that was just a, uh, pole that he attached to the top of his, um, uh, contraption. And, and we just went down to, oh, where was it? It was, uh, oh, what little area was that outside of, gosh, I'm drawing blanks on everything today. It must be the heat. <laughs> and we just followed people around. And it was a lot of like guerrilla filmmaking right there. Uh, the, I think the person pulling the, the suitcase is actually Tom. So that worked, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, so then we, we came up and, um, and I just felt like that would pull you into it. And that was, that was the energy and the, the tone that I wanted to get across with the movie. No, it was really cool. And I also loved the, uh, the industry jokes in there of specifically the gels, the blue gels and like the, the mm -hmm. light blue, you know, that was perfect. Cause I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm so glad that. <laughs> No, you thought that was funny. Oh, that was great. That was great. Um, so you, after you edited, after post-production, after everything was said and done, when was the first time you actually watched it from start to finish? Was it with somebody? Was it with an audience? And give me your reaction to watching it for the first time. After, well, that's hard to say. I mean, are you talking about the rough cut or like after it had all the music and everything? All the music, finished? like, yeah, finished. Okay. Probably the first time we actually watched it with another person was uh, after we did the color correction <laughs> because there was no audience then. So we kind of watched it on our own, of course. Um, I was pretty thrilled. I was like, all right, yeah, this feels like a movie and it has all of the elements that I hoped it would have. And, you know, of course, watching your own stuff and I've seen every scene millions and millions of times, but it still made me laugh. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a good sign that if I'm still, if I'm still laughing at this after working with it for, you know, gosh, seven months or whatever. Um, and then since we didn't have, we couldn't have a live audience anywhere, we just kind of sent it to a few people and, and people liked it. And we were like, all right, this, this is as good as we can get, <laughs> you know, with the pandemic world. Um, and, and then we got into the Seattle Film Festival and that was probably the first time we saw it with kind of an audience, an audience from everybody in their own homes. Um, so yeah, I guess we haven't actually seen it with a full audience yet. <laughs> well, I, ho I hope you get to, because I think it will actually grit some pretty big audience reactions to it. Oh. Will be, which will be pretty cool. And I've got to ask, um, did you or Tom put yourselves in the movies as little cameos? <laughs> Tom is in there. He is uh, one of the possible victims he's talking outside a comedy store yeah somebody laughed and said he looked like a like he was being picked up by some guy <laughs> like oh he's like the gigolo like sure why not <laughs> but that's tom I, I did put myself in there but i ended up cutting myself out so you gotta you gotta cut your <laughs> kill your darling 
<laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Well, let's get into some fun questions, shall we? Since you're obviously a fan of film, you know, and movies, are there any particular scenes from movies that have always stuck with you that inspire you? Like when you get out of bed and you say, shit, I'm thinking about the scene in this movie. I want to go make movies. Is there scenes like that? Let's see. That's a tough one. Cause there are so many fun movies that. Well, I know you mentioned gremlins in American werewolf in London earlier. Yeah. Well, like American Werewolf in London, when he transforms into the wolf and it's so weird and, and it's just like the, I, gosh, and I can't remember who did the visual effects for that. Rick um, Baker. Oh, Rick Baker. Of course it's Rick Baker, but it's just so realistic and weird. And I love when his, his dead friend comes back and they just have a regular conversation and it's not like, Ooh, scary. It's like, Hey man, you know, you gotta, it, it just, I, I just love that tone and so much fun. Um, for, for gremlins. I mean, gremlins is just so funny. It's just so campy. And I think the first one was, was better than all the other ones, but you know, it, it came out of like, nowhere really and, and also I guess one of the scenes that always sticks out to me is the story about her dad uh yes right? yeah like, I've written I've written about that as one of the best movie monologues in history because it's out of nowhere and it's diabolically sinister it was Christmas Eve I was nine years old me and mom were, were decorating the tree waiting for dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. His mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Yeah, and it and it happens in this like children's movie and you're like, yes, why not get that dark? You know, and you don't have to show blood. It's just like a terrific monologue like you said and you're and you visualize it all and I think that made me realize like, oh, you don't need to just have gore gore gore. You can just have these moments that are all story and yeah. It's fun. 
Oh, that's good. That's good. We'll come back if you think of any other yeah. uh, any other scenes because we could go on for days about that. And this movie kind of taking place in the stand-up world. Are there any particular stand-up bits that uh, you made the cast watch or people performed in preparation for the movie? Well, we actually hired stand-ups to do the stand-up. So we really wanted it authentic. And so all of the stand-up are are real stand-up and they and and they're they're comedians and slash actors and they burned their jokes. So they they had a couple of their own jokes. Um I that was so important to us because you can there's a lot of movies about stand-up and then they have the screenwriters write the stand-up and it can be funny, but it never really feels like stand-up. And so we wanted it to be authentic. I mean, a, a stand-up comedian, they they perform their work for hours and hours and hours in front of an audience. And so they know how to work around an audience and that you can't really teach that. You have to do it in order to act it. You know, you have to know what it feels like to bomb. You have to know what it feels like to have, you know, hundreds of eyes on you and and work your bit and maybe the bit's not working. So you have to know how to change your bit for the audience that you have. And yeah, so we used real standup. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. And I'm sure that, that when that was happening on set, was it hard to contain laughter or... <laughs> Oh yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Like the crew were always laughing, which was okay because we needed a laughter track. Sometimes it was like, all right, you have to keep it down for so we can, you know, have, have, uh, be able to work in, in the edit, but it, it was a lot of fun. And, and in the moment we were like, oh, this is terrific. We just wanted to let them go on and on and on. But of course we had, we had like a very short schedule. So we were like, oh shoot, we, everybody got five minutes and then that was it. All right, all right. Now I have a I have a serious question for you. So are hummingbirds the best bird on the planet and why? <laughs> I love hummingbirds. I actually grew up um in Santa Fe and so we had a lot of hummingbirds and we had a hummingbird feeder and i i have almost been impaled by a hummingbird like flying by through the deck um they are amazing little creatures i think they they are so light and so fast yeah and all they eat is sugar it's, it's the perfect diet <laughs> Oh, sugar. Oh, that's good. That was my serious question. So perfect answer. <laughs> um, also, I guess to kind of round this up, uh, what's next for DW? Well, we have a number of screenplays that we have ready to go. The next one I want to do, though, it it's set in Los Angeles and it's sort of the same but different. And this one uh, will definitely have a lot more visual effects and it, it it's the same adventure kind of comedy with a female lead and it's a lot of fun. So I'm really trying to push that one, but we do have a couple others. And so we'll see, we'll see which one we get made first, but um, we've got, we've got, we've got things on the burner. Oh my, I feel like, I feel like there needs to be a screenplay you write about somebody going to Australia 
can't get in, but it has to become a hairstylist, but as a monster or something like that, something has to happen here. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're right. Oh, so many weird things happened in Australia too. talk about a, a country full of, full of a lot of dark energies. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Uh, so yes, the spotlight is on UDW right now. Tell all the viewers and the listeners where they can find this amazingly funny and, you know, frightening movie called Too Late. Yeah, you can. Um, it's on demand and in select theaters June 25th. You can rent it on iTunes, Amazon, Prime, uh, Vudu, and anywhere else that you rent or buy movies. Excellent. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me.